Hello, and welcome to the Community IT Innovators Technology Topics Podcast, where we discuss nonprofit technology, cybersecurity, tech project implementation, strategic planning, and nonprofit IT careers. Find us at communityit.com. Thank you for joining Community IT for this podcast, Part 1. Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and leave us a rating to help others find this leadership resource for nonprofits. Listen for Part 2 in your podcast feed. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our webinar called Ask the Experts Development Meet Accounting. It's presented as a partnership between Build Consulting and Community IT Innovators. In this webinar, a, a panel of experts from Build Consulting will be answering the questions you submitted in advance regarding how development and accounting can better work together to manage financial data. My name is Peter Miris. I'm happy to welcome two of my colleagues from Build Consulting. Hi, everyone. My name is Debbie Cameron. I'm a managing consultant with Build Consulting. I started in consulting about 20 years ago with a big five firm, and after about six years, was looking for more purpose in my work, so I joined the nonprofit practice. I eventually made my way into working directly for a nonprofit, wanted to fully embrace the other side, and then joined Build because I thought it brought uh, those two worlds together perfectly in particular. Um, I like how Build is software agnostic because it really allows me to um, not only be an advocate for my client, but provides me freedom to help nonprofits approach technology. Thanks, Debbie. And we have another Peter with us today, Peter Gross. <laughs> yes. Hi, everybody. I am Peter Gross. You can think of me as Peter G to distinguish from Peter M. I uh, actually started my career uh, post-college working in nonprofit organizations. Um, and the pretty much the first one I worked for was doing development work, uh, fundraising and, and grants management and program management and advocacy for a civil rights organization in Detroit that was called Focus Hope, a very inspirational place that sort of cemented me being in the nonprofit sector. Um, I also, I went on after eight or nine years working in nonprofit organizations. I went and actually worked for BlackBud for six years in the early 2000s and then um, have been consulting in one form or another since 2007. Um, the, what keeps me engaged in this work is finding new and different ways to help the people that work in nonprofits achieve the kind of change they're looking for. And that's grounded in a lot of years of seeing a lot of frustration from organizations that are unable to uh, sort of break through either organizational or cultural or individual kind of barriers. And um, that's a lot of what we try to focus on um, at Build, not only the technology side, but the people side. Thanks, Peter. So we're just going to step through the questions one at a time, uh, give our best shot at answering them. So the first question is is a really fundamental one, and it's what are the differing viewpoints or priorities of development and accounting when it comes to managing financial data? Peter G., why don't you kick us off with this one? Sure. Um, you know, this is a topic that is actually pretty close to my heart because it's it's conversations that I've been having 
for years with organizations. Um, and I tended to focus more on the development side of things in the earlier part of my career, but have since been uh, you know, involved in, in sort of both sides of the house. Uh, and the truth is that this is not unique to development and accounting. I think any organization, whether that be a nonprofit, a company, a family, anything else, we have a tendency as humans to get caught up in our own perspective. Um, and like I said, even in nonprofits, that is not limited to development and accounting. Um, but I would say development and accounting is sort of the classic Hatfield and McCoys of the, of the nonprofit world. Um, for reasons that I think are understandable, there's that just tends to be a point of tension in organizations, not every organization, but many. Um, but I think it's important to recognize that each of the functions within an organization necessarily comes to the table with its own unique and valid mindset and its own set of priorities. So just as an example, development folks tend to be focused on, you know, how can I build relationships to raise the most money? You know, they get measured on how much money they raised, what kind of relationships they built, how happy their donors are, how connected they're able to make people to the organization. And thus, that's the lens they come to with managing financial data is, is I need to count the money I raised and I need to make my donors happy and um, et cetera. Accounting folks, on the other hand, tend to be focused more on sort of managing financial data in a way that is, and you can pick your adjective, compliant, accurate, risk reducing, et cetera. They're asking the question and they're getting evaluated, how can I make the auditors happy uh, and protect the organization in the most effective way? And both of those are 100% legitimate viewpoints. And we'll talk a little bit later about sort of how we try to resolve those two different points of views but they tend to be more comp competitive rather than complementary. And in our experience, it really can be complementary. Debbie, yeah, did you I, wanna, sorry. I agree, no, sorry, I'm collecting my thoughts. I agree with uh, a lot of what Peter said. I think it's important for both sides to understand each other's perspective and points of view. I think, you know, education can go a long way. Um, around this. In a lot of ways, the accounting team has an obligation to adhere to a number of guidelines um, to ensure that the financial reporting for the organization is accurate and they're in compliance um, for when the auditors come on site. And I think a lot of those guidelines are not always clear to all the stakeholders across the organization. Um, and I think you know, a good example of this or something that I have seen most recently at clients is around um, revenue associated with uh, Facebook and mobile apps and the process of recognizing that revenue. Understandably, um, the, the online teams want to recognize that revenue as soon as it's committed. Um, but in order to do so with a certain level of accuracy, accounting really needs to wait until that money comes in the door. And that can take 30 to 45 days sometimes. And so unless that's communicated to the development team, they're just sitting there waiting for that to show up on their dashboards and their reports, and they're wondering why it's not. And I think, you know, 
if you if we just focus on creating an environment that fosters communication, that allows for cross training, and you know, <laughs> I certainly don't mean having some lunch and learns focused on the fundamentals of cost account of cost accounting, but just some to enable everybody to have a working understanding of you know the guidelines and principles around the financial reporting and staying compliant with audits. I think that you know that communication and education can serve as a cornerstone to build a successful relationship between the two teams. Yeah, those are great points. And a lot of what we end up doing is bringing development accounting together and sort of facilitating conversations between the two. Um, because often there's a lot of, when they do get together, there's a lot of talking across purposes. Um, so it's really a facilitated sort of change management uh, operation to try to bring those two diverse perspectives together. So the question too sort of builds on that is a little bit more focused on gift records. And the question was, how can we resolve misunderstanding between development and accounting about how to categorize gift records? And one of the things that we deal with a lot as a consulting firm in, in helping uh, organizations with their donor management or fundraising or CRM systems is how those transactions are categorized uh, when they come in. It can be a very uh, thorny and uh, challenging process to keep straight, particularly when there's a lot of different kinds of, a lot of revenue streams, a lot of different channels. So Peter G, um, how would you go about answering this question? Sure. Um... The, the, the issue of result, you know, sort of when we walk into an organization and they're having this particular challenge, the extra added challenge of that is that on a day-to-day -day basis, they're having to work in the systems that they're in with the categorization schemes that they have. And at the same time, they're trying to, in one way or another, envision what a better system would look like. And it's very easy to get mixed up between the two and to get sort of off, sort of get off kilter. It's sort of like trying to change your gift categorization stream in sort of mid-year or mid-work is like trying to work on the engine of your car while it's flying down the highway, right? It's just very a very difficult thing to balance. And so I think for organizations that are having this kind of a struggle of a more effective way to categorize their gifts, I think it's important to take a step back. And the first thing to do is to forget about the systems you've got, forget about the categorization that you've got right now. And as Peter said, have a facilitated session, a collaborative session in which the first thing you're doing is actually defining from a business perspective, the ways in which the organization needs to categorize gifts a business perspective, not a technical perspective. So as examples, development, it's very important that they honor the donor intent of the money, right? Obviously it's also important for accounting because it needs to get put in the right place and, and spent the right way. Um, development needs to know the various ways in which the money was acquired. So in some organizations, that's a relatively high level relatively simple set of choices you make about how that money was secured. And in some cases for organizations that do sophisticated direct mail, it's actually an incredibly complex um, 
situation. They also, development also cares about sort of who gets credit for the gift, either at the individual level, the team level, the campaign level. And there's a variety of other ways that development could care about this as well, obviously. From the accounting perspective, they care about how that information is going to flow into the GL in the various ways that the GL string might um, uh, reflect different categories. They obviously care about payment type. They care about uh, the, the source of the money for reconciliation, a variety of other pieces. What we do, <clears throat> excuse me, what we do very simply is draw a picture of the business need for categorization of gift records and make sure that we're agreed across the organization, whoever cares about those particular categories, that on paper, we, okay, we understand this is what development needs, this is what accounting needs, this might be what program uh, areas need, et cetera, et cetera. Once you've agreed on that scheme, then you can start to look and say, all right, we have, these, we have this finance system, we have this fundraising system, we might have these other systems. What's the best way for us to get that information categorized based on the systems we have. And I was intrigued by, by Debbie's Facebook example because that's sort of a classic example. There's lots of times where development needs to be able to account for the fact, sorry to use the word account, needs to be able to <laughs> capture the fact that they have secured funds even if those funds are not recognizable from an accounting perspective. So there can be certain kinds of transactions in a fundraising system that are recognized as not posting until something happens down the road. So it might be a pledge that is conditional. I want to get credit for the fact that I got a $100,000 pledge because I, I did get that at least verbal commitment, but the accounting team isn't ready to recognize it. And so there's ways to do that using both systems for the things that it is, they are best at doing. Um, and in the, you know, the Facebook example is the same way. There should be a way to record the fact that that commitment has been made from Facebook, but not have it, ref have it ref not reflected or reflected differently in the accounting system so to recognize that it is not a legally, fiscally recognized donation. Yeah, and I think, you know, taking the time to, to make sure that you do define the business rules around how things are coded is a worthy investment of time. I think it's the importance of how the gifts are categorized um, because of it's important because of how it flows into the general ledger. And when that gift coding is wrong, I think the downstream impact, which is the fact that it affects financial reporting. I mean, no one in the organization wants that. And so I think everybody wants to work together to ensure that it's it's done correctly and it's done in a way that makes sense for the organization. Um, and I think, again, education serves as a cornerstone in, in this as well. I think training um, and, and understanding the, the structure really um, is what's gonna drive success. I had one client who implemented a CRM and they had an integration directly to their GL. And um, when, uh, you know, one common problem they had was around charitable remainder trusts. And, you know, typically when you have a charitable remainder trust, you once you calculate the future value, you recognize the revenue and you set up the receivable. And the problem they were having is when the cash receipts would come in, 
no one was aware or knew where to look to make sure or to see that there was an open trust. And so when the trust was terminated and that cash came in, it was being oftentimes recorded as um, outright the quest revenue. And they were consistently overstating revenue. And each month they would need to go back and make an adjustment and the auditors didn't love that. And so, you know, they decided that the best way to, to deal with that was to, um, invest in training. They did have some audit reports set up. But, you know, you can also look at it in terms of a systematic control and where you can put in systematic controls. I know another another frequent occurrence of um, where gifts are miscoded, as Peter mentioned before, is around pledges and uh, attributing those payments to those pledges. And I had a client set up um, their CRM so that if you were entering a donation on a constituent record, and there was an open pledge on that record. Um, you could not um, you could not enter the donation without being notified about the pledge, the open pledge, so that you would double check um, to make sure that that shouldn't be uh, appropriately attributed to the pledge. So, I think you know, I think education, understanding on this topic is also key. And I think you know, looking where you can put controls in place is also um, really important. Thanks. I know we're going to talk about this a little bit in the future, but one of the things that we'll, we'll discuss and has bearing on this is that a lot of times accounting wants to be able to rely on how gifts are coded inside of the CRM system, but they they just don't trust that the development team is going to regard those records as being an AR or accounts receivable subledger and treat it with the same level of strict diligence that the accounting team would. So we'll, we'll get into that a little bit here, but um, that's another that's another aspect of resolving the misunderstanding between development and accounting for how to categorize gift records is is that there's a there's a level of uh, a level of process. Uh, diligence that's required in order for uh, this records in the CRM to serve in the way that is needed for the organization. So can I add one thing? Yeah, go ahead. Um, As you were, as you were saying that I was thinking about one of the, I think one of the keys to resolving this understanding in some ways, a, a, a prerequisite to doing it is, a lot of organizations have historically held the entry of and the categorization of gift transactions in one department or another. I would say more often historically it's been um, in accounting. And part of the process of resolving that misunderstanding is building up building up a mutual understanding that these gift records are organizational assets. The gifts are as well, obviously, because the money that comes in is is funding for the entire organization. Um, But the records themselves are assets that belong to the entire organization. And if they're if the categorization scheme and process is really heavily too heavily weighted in either direction, development or accounting, we see downstream effects in either direction. I really like that wording that Debbie had, because if we don't if we don't categorize the fiscal 
categorization components correctly, then we have really terrible effects downstream in terms of financial reporting and auditing and all of those things. And if we if it's weighted too heavily on the accounting side, we end up with the inability of the fundraising office, development office, to actually utilize that data to do analysis and to make decisions about where the best places are to deploy resources. So recognizing these systems overall, but gifts gifts and constituents in particular as an organizational asset, I think is a really important part of breaking through this barrier of resolving that understanding. Right. Yeah. So moving on to the next question, this is one that I get a lot. Our chart of accounts is currently very complex and confusing, which makes it very difficult to map gift records to the GL for integration. Is there a solution? I mean, we have seen some labyrinthine charts of accounts, um, and sometimes justifiably so. Debbie, how would you uh, go about answering this question? Yeah, I would agree. I would say you're not alone with this challenge. I think, um, you know, typically nonprofit accounting staff and other resources are often thin. And, you know, as a result, many nonprofits struggle to um, not have their chart of accounts grow into a very complex structure. Um, I actually have a client whose general ledger is so complex that they're no longer able to embed their um, general ledger coding into their online donation forms. And so they now are living with a process where they um, where they once just downloaded the information and then uploaded it into their financial statement. They now download the information, they run a macro on it, they run it through a pivot uh, table and manually manipulate it, and then it's ready uh, to be uploaded into the GL. And I think when you find yourself with a process that becomes that complex and manual, or you find yourself, um, you know, really struggling with a very complex, uh, difficult process in coding gifts that it's important for the organization to step back and say, hey, do we need to audit our chart of accounts? Do we need to take a look and see where we can streamline, where we can, um, you know, group things together? And I think when you're doing when you're going through that process, I think some important questions to ask are, do we have the right level of detail? Um, I remember a college professor once saying that um, just like snowflakes, ever, there are no two chart of accounts are the same. And I think that's that's one thing that a lot of organizations struggle when they look at their chart of accounts is how can I tell if I have enough enough detail? Because they can't necessarily look at another chart of accounts for that guideline. And I think, you know, you really just need to stick with the best practice of aiming for the smallest number of accounts that still um, provide you the level of detail that make that, you know, enable you to make informed decisions and create valuable reports. Um, and, you know, in the vein of reporting, I think you, you need to step back and ask yourself, does it summarize your transactions in a meaningful way? Or are there ways that accounts can be grouped together? Um, because going to that extra level of detail really isn't giving you any additional insight into the financial health of the organization. Um, another thing I think it's important to look at is, um, is the naming system clear? Are we using acronyms or accounting jargon that other folks in the organization maybe are not going to be able to interpret as easily? Um, 
and then, you know, always, always try to align it with the way you're budgeting as well. Yeah, I think those are great points. And um, I, I will say from the technical side, a lot of clients find benefit when they have, when they're compelled to look at accounting, different accounting systems than their current systems for some reason, and maybe they're looking at a more modern ERP platform, uh, they, they get exposed to more modern or more dynamic ways of managing charts of accounts, um, where it's more of a relational data model. So you end up with a smaller core set of accounts in your um, chart of accounts, and a lot of those uh, other classifiers are are spread across other data attributes, and makes it a lot easier and flexible for nimble reporting, as well. So um, there's a lot of opportunity that organizations find for new ways of managing their chart of accounts that actually make it easier to map the flow of data from the CRM into the uh, ERP system. There's just more flexibility in how you connect things. Thank you for joining Community IT for this podcast, part one. Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and leave us a rating to help others find this leadership resource for nonprofits. Listen for part two in your podcast feed. Community IT does these free webinars and podcasts for our community, and we love sharing our knowledge and experience. If you have more questions or are having trouble with your IT at your nonprofit, please get in touch with us on our website, www.communityit.com, so we can start a conversation or schedule an assessment. Downloading any of our free resources there will get you signed up for our webinar reminders, and you can attend our next webinar in real time and ask our experts your own questions. If you love podcasts, please subscribe and leave us a rating to help others find this leadership resource for nonprofits.